everyone. Today is August 29th, 2020. This is the Duel Assessment, your podcast for Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links. My name is Green Ranger. The KCGT just finished this morning before I even woke up, so I wasn't able to watch any of it, unfortunately. But uh, we do know who won, but there's nothing about you know deck lists or anything like that. So I'll wait for that. It's official, but talk about that for a second. Um... Very little to talk about this week. Just a little bit of esports. Um, dimensional disaster isn't really in full swing yet. We just have two event drops to talk about. I did hit King of Games though, so I will spend some time talking about my King of Games report. And Doug Dimmit Duel uh, has his silent swordsman deck with a lot of fusion based things Dark Cavalry, Red Eye Slash, Elemental Heroes, and more. So. We're kind of getting into this uh, lull phase last last month before New World comes out. And we also have the new updates, of course. So, as mentioned this week, I hit King of Games for the third straight month with Witchcrafters. Um, talk about it a little bit more. But I would say right now that it was a very agonizing climb and very... Um, it was it was like it wasn't like I was having fun like I was just doing it and in the end I finally hit it but um you know I was ready to put down the game at that point once I hit the king of games so um I was playing other games mostly this week Warframe had their new release of Heart of Dimos so like it's a whole new open world thing so I've been playing a bit of that and Warframe's a game that you have to grind a lot it's free to play game but Everything is very grindy, and I suck at Warframe, so uh, I don't expect to get anywhere with what I'm doing, but just playing it for fun. Alright, eSports this week. Like I mentioned before, we have the results of the KCGT that just happened this morning. Congrats to Zade King, who won first place, and KW Rowe, who hit uh, second. Uh, That's one thing to note in... Duel Links, there is very little randomness and things that might get in the way. I heard there were disconnections, though, so that is an ugly uh, black cloud that hangs over the game. It's definitely atrocious that people would have to lose because of disconnect in the high stage. And, you know, if Konami, you know, Konami has to do something about it at this point, if the biggest stage has disconnection issues so hopefully i'll hear more about that but like i said you know the proven players that we did expect to show up did show up and i think i get 50 gems i picked kw row for sure as one of my three choices so i will get my 50 gems all right uh duelings meta weekly number 139 First place, Dark King, Show of Nightmares, Light Sworn, Witchcrafter. All in on the Witchcrafter, uh, I mean the Light Sworn engine here. So to compensate for the loss of Charge of the Light Brigade and other things. This one goes all in with three Solar Recharge. That's kind of the mill card that these decks are using to compensate. And in fact, you're getting more mill because you're just... Losing one charge of Light Brigade and you're getting three Solar Recharge. To make up for that, you need more Light Sworn Monsters in the deck to actually hit Solar Recharge. So, one Lila, one Raiden, one Lumina, and one um, Minerva, of course. Lumina lets you get into bigger Synchro plays. um, More of the level 7 plays and stuff like that. Before... When you were just running Minerva, you were limited to the number of plays you can make because she could get milled and then you'll get her back and you'll get any synchro plays. Now you have an extra Raiden, for example. This one does run uh, two Econs in the semi-limit slot. In terms of backward control, there's only one Galaxy Cyclone and one Storm. Two copies of Witchcrafter unveiling. That's notable. And also to say that with all the Lightsworn monsters, this deck only wants run one Pitori, one Witchcrafter Pitori. Most uh, decks before were running three. So when you're using the Lightsworn engine, you have to balance how many Witchcrafter monsters you have, Witchcrafter spells, 
versus Solar Recharge and Light Sworn Monsters. Second place, Max K Alternative Evolution Blue Eyes. Looks a little different than the normal Blue Eyes, and it's a little cleaner. You got three copies of a few cards White Stone of Ancients, Dawn Knight, uh, Sage with Eyes of Blue, and Blue Eyes. So there's like, you know, full sets of these cards. Um, ten of the best trap cards in the game two Ballista Squad, two Divine Wrath, two Phoenix Chain, two Raigeki Break, and two Karma Cuts. Top 4, Toonie 57, Destiny Draw Invoked, Element Saber, very basic Element Saber deck, 3 Alistair, 3 Malehu, 1 Lapoya, 1 Nalu, 3 of the Field Spell, 2 Invocation, 2 Econ, and then some really good trap cards, 3 Fiendish Chains, 2 Palazzo Canadia, 2 Bad Aim. And top 4, 3D Balance Weather Painters, uh, full on lockdown deck here. Uh, in the spells, you got three Necro Valleys to go with some of the continuous uh, Weather Painter spells, canvas spells. Uh, three of the Thundery Canvas, that's the card that is dangerous and bounces everything back. Two Karma Cuts, two Econs, I mean two Treacherous, two Ultimate Providence. It's nice to run Ultimate Providence with a bounce deck because you have all those uh, monsters, uh, spells, and traps, and then you could just... Use it to counter anything. Let's move on to the other tournament this week. Anti-Phase 7 from the Duelix Entertainment Series. First place, Yami Hero Level Reduction Black Wings. Uh, the thing I like about Black Wings, even though their decks all look the same, is they have a different way to go about the extra deck. There was the Control Lockdown version with the Ancient Fairy, Dragon, and Pixie with Necro Valley. And then there's the regular, you know, Blackwing deck. This one's a little more aggro, uh, relying on Onomaru with the level reduction. You're trying to make Onomaru, who, when using the um, synchro pieces, becomes like a 6,000 attacker. So that's what you want to do with this deck. Um, a composition of a 3 Samoon, 1 Bora, 1 Zephyros, 3 Gale, 3 Chris. One Steam the Cloak, two Harmatan, one Oroshi, two Black Whirlwind, two Cosmic, one Forbidden Lance. It's kind of using the uh, level five so high of the Rainstorm as part of that uh, step to make the level seven, I believe. Because someone's going to get counted as a tuner and then a five and a seven, that'll make the number 12. That's part of it. But then you also use the other pieces with level reduction to make it work. Second place, Snifus, Show of Nightmares, Lightsworn Witchcrafter. This is known as the anti-cheat deck, and the reason it is because it runs Nobleman of Extermination. I'll talk more about that card in my uh, King of Games deck, but this is this is more of the deck that I run. Um, a lot of different back row control spells, so two gal three Galaxy Cyclones, two Night Beams, uh, Nobleman, like I mentioned, and a very minimal on any Light Sworn package. And this is a deck that Duelings Meta won't even consider a Light Sworn engine. All you got is one Lila and one Minerva. They don't count this as... So as long as you don't have the Solar Recharge going on, they're not going to count this as a Light Sworn engine. Up for Shiki... Shadow Game Ritual Beast, new improved Ritual Beasts, not much to say about it, but it does run more back row traps, two Phoenix Chain, and two Bad Aim. Finally, top four, Ivan Chavez 07, level reduction Black Wings. Another one, um, this one's a little different, it runs Pinaki, it does not run Steam the Cloak. Fewer of the low level monsters, so there's only one Harmatan and one Oroshi. So... I guess the previous one ran two Oroshi, so it couldn't run Raikiri the Rain Shower, which is, the, in my book, the best uh, Synchro Monster. But, yeah, two Blackbird Clothes in the main deck. The previous one didn't run any Blackbird Clothes. Tier list has been updated as a result of some of the tournaments. I'm sure it's going to change again from the results of the KCGT. There's going to be rapid changes, I think. Um, I'm not sure if there will be rapid changes before XCs begins, but 
there should be some changes. Tier 1, Invoked Neos and Witchcrafter. Tier 2, Black Wings, Blue Eyes, and uh, Shirinui. That's something wrong there. Tier 3, Dark Magician. Element Sabers have been bumped down. Guki have been moved up to Tier 3 and Masked Heroes. And Crystrons and Ritual Beasts have been removed from the tier list. I don't really know. Um, I think some of these changes are kind of rash. Ritual Beasts placed again in the anti-phase tournament, for example. Uh, Crystrons, I've seen less and less. That makes sense. Element Sabers just won something, I think. Um, top 4, okay. So... I don't know what's the deal here, but um, I think, let me look at the, there's a little bracket that Duel Links Entertainment made about um, what's going on here. So top 16 bracket for the KCGT, just to rattle off some of the decks, Neos Invoked, Blue Eyes, Shirinui, Neos Invoked, um, Black Wings, Witchcrafters, Black Wings, Dark Magician, Element Sabers, Heroes, uh, it's, I guess that's Masked Heroes, Infernity, Dark Magician, Element Sabers, Guki, Witchcrafter, Witchcrafter, uh, Silent, Dark Magician, Black Wings, Invoke Neos, Shirinui, Heroes, uh, Shirinui, uh, Black Wings, Element Sabers, Element Sabers, Heroes, Blue Eyes, Dark Magician, Crystron, Invoked Neos, Witchcrafter, Silent Dark Magician, Blackwing Witchcrafter, Blue Eyes, Invoke Neos, Dark Magician, Blue Eyes. So, you know, just based on those decks, I guess it's kind of okay. Uh, the way the tournament list is, there's not any Ritual Beasts, I guess. that's That disproves my point. Get to the main event this week, Dimensional Disaster. And, of course, we don't get uh, Aigami yet. Um... Agami we get in two days, I believe, so August 31st. Right now, it's just two event drops. You could also collect some of the older event drops here. Um, Buster Gindle, primarily, as the other cubic monster. The other ones aren't really good, so... Don't know what to say about those. Evil Swarm Golem? Nah, that's not good. It sucks. End of Anubis... How much to say about these rewards? I can't really say I like any of them. But when you're playing these, um, when you're playing these decks, it's good to use a uh, a deck that runs a lot of blue eyes or dark magician things that get that get a multiplier. These decks I'm seeing on Duelings Meta, they run a lot of equip spells. So Power of the Guardians is a good auto dual skill. Um, you kind of have like these uh, twin swords of flashing light. Fairy meteor crush is a good choice too. So a lot of things that will inflict damage uh, to your opponent. Two new cards from this uh, drop pool. First one's called Cubic Dharma. The UR continuous spell. You take no battle damage from attacks involving your cubic monsters. You can only use each of the following effects of Cubic Dharma once per turn during your main phase. One, you can send one cubic card from your hand to the graveyard if you do draw a card. And then the other effect, you can banish this card from the graveyard, target one cubic monster in your graveyard, add it to your hand. Um, I don't think... So first of all, I don't understand how cubic monsters or the archetype works in general. We've gotten them in different phases. Some from the first Igami event, second one, and then now. So... There's like the card Cubic Mandala, which is a trap card. Some of the other monsters as well. I can't tell you how it works at all. But overall, Cubic Dharma looks like a good card. Um, for the fact that you take no battle damage from those attacks. So basically got like a holy guard on you. And you could ram your card into different monsters without any worry. You could. I think there are some cards that change the attack to zero, if not, I'm not mistaken. So that might be their thing where they debuff monsters to zero attack. This taking no battle damage also prevents a card like uh, Crimson Fox from killing you for like uh, D High King Alexander, Onamaru the Divine Thunder, any of those cards with really high attack that could just kill you right there. This will prevent that from happening. So there's a little bit of a stall component, a little bit of battle, uh, battle damage reduction component to it. 
other ability is the cycling ability. You can send a cubic to the graveyard, draw a card. That's a really nice ability. I think the cubic monsters have effects going off in the graveyard, so this helps you draw cards. The other drop from this event is Dark Garnex the Cubic Beast. This is an SR. Level 2 Earth Beast, 0 attack and defense. Cannot be normal summoned or set. Must be special summoned from your hand by sending a cubic monster you control to the graveyard. If summoned this way, this card gains 1,000 attack. When this card destroys a monster by battle, you can target 2 Vijam the Cubic Seed in your graveyard. Send this card to the graveyard if you do. Special summon them, then add 1 Blade Garudia, the Cubic Beast, from your deck to your hand. So this card's interesting in a few ways. Um, I can't tell you how it's interesting, but what I can tell you is that it clues you into what Aigami is going to drop. So this card already mentions Vijam, the Cubic Seed, and Blade Garudia. So it wouldn't really make sense for them to give us this card if we don't have those cards, right? So I'm expecting those two cards to be his level up cards to be some of his level up cards and I would say this is not good this type of combo ability um, it's too dependent on having this combo and if you don't have it and also they take up slots in your deck so um, it's less room for other cards let's look at the other cards so when this one let's see this card gets special summoned and then when it destroys a monster by battle, you target two Vijam in your graveyard. You sacrifice this card, and then you have two of them. So Vijam is a level one. Cannot be destroyed by battle. At the end of the damage step, if this card battled an opponent's monster, you can place this card in your spell or trap zone as a continuous spell. Place a cubic monster on that card. That monster can't attack. You negate their effects. And that's continuous, and then you special summon it from the spell or trap zone. So basically, with the cubic dharma, this card has zero attack. So with the cubic dharma, you can ram this into something with no repercussion. And then you put a counter on them, and then they have no effects. They can't attack. So this card is a lot like high, um, no, um, Old Entity Haster. Because that card goes into the Spell or Trap zone. It's kind of like an equipped spell, but not really. This is a continuous, but has the same ability where that monster can attack and has no effect. So, that's decent, I guess. You got two Old Entity Haster with zero attack um, in, in your field. So, you do that thing with Dark Garnex... And then um, you get to add Blade Garudia as well. So Blade Garudia is level 3 beast. Cannot be normal or special summoned. Or cannot be normal summoned. Special summoned by sending 2 cubics to the graveyard. Uh, gains 2,000 attacks. So you're going to get a 2,000 attacker. Makes a second attack during each battle phase. When this card destroys a monster by battle, you can target 3 Vijam in your graveyard. Send this card to the graveyard. If you do special summon them, then add Buster Gundle. It's like the same thing, I think. And then Buster Gundle's like, send three cubic monsters. Gains 3,000 attack. Second and third attack. When this is destroyed, you can target three cubic monsters and special summon. Okay, so it's like a... It's like a cycle. I kind of get it now. So... Dark Garnex is the first step, and then it moves into Blade Garudi, and then it moves into Buster Gindle. It's kind of like a level up reincarnation effect. It's interesting. I must say it's interesting, but I don't see it being competitive, but it's interesting. Alright, so I've talked enough. Doug Dimmendool is here with his casual deck of the week. He still hasn't shaken the Silent Swordsman bug. I personally have never played Silent Swordsman, but people who do play it, they love it. Can't stop playing the deck. Um, this one focuses on Dark Cavalry and a bunch of other fusion cards like Red Eye Slash Dragon and some Elemental Heroes. And it tries to do Dark Cavalry not like the Dark Magician way of Eye of Tamias or anything like that, but using some of the old school 
fusion material monsters like King of the Swamp. So here's Doug's casual deck of the week with Silent Swordsman Dark Calvary. This is Doug Dimadula with Doug's Casual Deck of the Week. Um, I'm going to try and keep up with the whole Silent Swordsman uh, deal. I don't know why I've kind of been on a Silent Swordsman binge. I think it's because of uh, how salty I am after um, all of the Invoke decks that I'm facing and all of the Fusion decks that require Fusion plays. So I'm running a deck here that is pretty fun to play. I haven't selected a skill or anything like that. Um, but really, the whole purpose of this deck is to hopefully, in your first turn or in one of your early turns, get a Dark Cavalry onto the field. And uh, this is the old school way. We're looking for a uh, Dark Magician and a Warrior-type monster. Now, this deck, I don't run a single copy of Dark Magician. I'm going to use Fusion Substitute type of effect monsters. King of the Swamp. This is a UR from one of the main boxes. If you could get three copies of it, it's fantastic. Not just because you could use it as Fusion material, but because you can discard it to the grave yard and search out a polymerization so if you're in a pinch you could go get that polymerization uh, through one of the searching skills but more often than not you're planning on using this as your dark magician uh, substitute to get into your dark cavalry fusion play so before i proceed dark cavalry if you recall it requires dark magician and a, and a warrior type monster it gains 100 attack for each spell and trap on the field and in the graveyards if this attacks defense position, inflict piercing damage. When a card or effect is activated that targets a card on the field, doesn't matter if it's yours or an opponent's, you could discard a card, negate the activation, and if you do, destroy it. This is great if your opponent's trying to equip spell cards to their own monsters. They're targeting their own monsters, so you can negate and destroy. Really, really good. But what I also do is I'll also run copies of Red Eye Slash Dragon, because this is requiring a similar set of requirements. It requires one Red-Eyes Black Dragon and one Warrior Monster. This is not my go-to card, but depending on what kind of deck I'm running uh, or, or what kind of deck I'm going up against, Red-Eyes Slash Dragon may be effective. Obviously, your first things first, try and go for Dark Cavalry, but going into your Red-Eyes Slash Dragon is not a bad idea either. And then to round out the extra deck, because I'm going to be running some hero monsters, is run Elemental Hero the Shining, because it requires an Elemental Hero and a Light Monster. Light Monster is going to have to do with those Silent Swordsmen, if you're not able to really utilize them and you'd prefer a Fusion. And then also your Elemental Hero Nova Master. Not really the best Fusion Monster, but it does require an Elemental Hero and a Fire Monster, which your Elemental Hero Plays Man is going to be a Fire Monster, because this is one of the best um, polymerization searchers for this type of deck, because it is a warrior, because it is a hero, because upon normal summon, you could search out a polymerization. That's a must-have. I'll run three copies of that in this deck. Then I'll also run my two copies, because it's semi-limited, of Vision Hero Vion. If this card is special or normal summoned, you can send a hero monster from your deck to the graveyard. And then also, once per turn, you can banish one hero monster from your graveyard to add polymerization from your deck to your hand. So, both of these heroes have the same thing, so that's why I'll run you know three copies of the Blazeman and then two copies of the Vion. And, yeah, you basically go from there. Now, to search out what you really need, I'll run my three copies of Sangin in case I do need my King of the Swamp or if I need, you know, a, a, the Dark Hex-Sealed Fusion, anything along those lines. Um, they're pretty good just to, you know, again, have as that, that fodder. But really to add an extra element, I'll run my three copies of Silent Swordsman and my one copy of Silent Swordsman level 7, just to be able to negate my opponent's spell cards. Now the one drawback is if you have Silent Swordsman level 7 on the field, you're out of luck to use your polymerizations. However, if you have the Dark Hex Sealed Fusion on the field, you can, um, let's see, you can tribute fusion uh, material monsters on the field including this face-up card and special summon one corresponding dark fusion monster from the extra deck so if you could just normal summon this while you have a warrior on the field you could still get into your dark cavalry or your red eye slash dragon so you're not uh, completely out of luck so that's why i mean at least it's a workaround if you do get your silent swordsman level seven on the field you're locking out your opponent from fusing but you're able to do things yourself so really timing is everything with this type of deck you want to make sure that you get into your fusion 
place first before you potentially get into your climb to Silent Swordsman level 7. So, you know, again, overall, this deck is great, you know, by just having a Dark Cavalry on the field to negate any effects that are trying to target different cards on the field. Just, it's great. But the the thing is, I see a lot of people running dark cavalry decks with dark magician and trying to uh you know use the uh you know that that one spell card that you can move a dark magician to the graveyard to special summon a, a dark magician fusion monster from the extra deck okay that that's cool and all but i want to kind of change it up and do things old school make sure you have the materials make sure you use that polymerization get into that fusion and it's actually a little more consistent than it sounds but yeah at least the lineup is the one silent swordsman level seven the three silent swordsman Three Sangin, three King of the Swamps, three Elemental Hero Blazeman. I've run two copies of the Dark Hex Sealed Fusion because I want to keep the deck at 20. Uh, my two copies of Vision Hero Vion, and then the three copies of Polymerization to round things out. I already went over the extra deck, so you kind of know what's involved here, but it's a pretty good deck, at least in a casual setting. I'm not saying that this is going to be the uh, the new ultimate meta-changing deck, but uh, it can hold its own depending on your matchup. Especially if you're going up against those uh, invoked shenanigans uh, monsters, I don't, I don't like that crap. But um, anyway, yeah, that's um, that's a fun deck to try out, so I definitely recommend it. But anyway, that's it for my casual deck of the week. I will see you next time. Take care. Alright, thanks Doug. Check out Doug's Casual Deck of the Week. Every week on this podcast, he has a entertaining Twitter account at Yu-Gi-Oh! Deck Talk. Alright, the last thing I want to talk about, well, before the news is uh, King of Games Report. This is the August 2020 King of Games Report. A deck I like to call Lolly for 3. It's my third straight Witchcrafter deck. And I guess it's the summer of Witchcrafter because it is August... Summer is going to wind down. I hit King of Games with Witchcrafters June, July, and August. A lost summer in the year of 2020, which sucks ass. So this is the highlight. And it's notable because it's the third Witchcrafter deck I've used with a third uh, skill. First one was a restart Witchcrafter, which was just a... It was just like a randomly... Not randomly, it was like a... It was not a well-put-together deck. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. It wasn't well-put-together, and it just beat everyone. It was just witchcrafters were new, and they were OP, and they beat everyone. Second one was the one where I got creative with the balance witchcrafter uh, when everyone was running a show of nightmares, so I like that one the best. That was my balance deck. Now I did the show of nightmares one, and this is the one where... I tried to hit it, King of Games, before the nerf was official. Uh, the nerf was always announced, and I already pre-nerfed my deck. I didn't want to hit King of Games with a deck running three charges and three holidays. That didn't seem good to me, so I adjusted to the nerfs. I played different decks, and that's part of the agony that went into it. It took me forever to hit this King of Games, over 200 wins uh usually i get there in like 100 something but this one's over 200 so i lost a lot of games couldn't really find a win streak i was foiled by disconnections a few times so that was very annoying i was foiled by an odeon deck before my final run to king of games like the day or day before that an odeon deck just stalled me out the whole game and that was pretty bad, but I got through it, made some changes to my deck, and ready to talk about it. So, the link there has the deck, and they they don't classify, I mean, they, I mean, Duong's Meta does not classify this as having a Light Sworn Engine. I think the qualifier for the Light Sworn Engine is Solar Recharge, because you have three copies of that card, you're kind of going in with the engine. Here, you're just like... Light Sworns are part of Witchcrafter, but I'm not fully committed. So, 
that's where I am. Show of Nightmares is the skill, most popular Witchcrafter skill. Even it, it, it was last month as well, it, it always has been. And the number of spell cards you run in the deck, you already run three from being a Witchcrafter player. You have three core spells and then you run those extra spells. So you try to put in a lot of spells in the deck. That's what's going on here. There's a skill component to Show of Nightmares, but I would say I play the skill unskillfully. It helps you recycle a non-Witchcrafter spell, so if you want to use another back row destruction, uh, for example, that lets you recycle it, or it gives you an advantage in attack. So Madame Ver takes advantage of Show of Nightmares. You use the extra spell for negating stuff, or it's an extra 1,000 attack on something. So... um. There's always an optimal way of using it, and I don't think I did it. In terms of the monster composition, very I would say this is very standard. This is not something I came up with. I was just looking at every single deck list, and this is what they got. Two Madame Ver, this is you know, this is not gonna change. Um you're buying through the box. You're going to get two Madame Vares because you do want the three Shmetas. There are two URs in the Witch's Sorcery box. So you probably have two Madame Vare if you have three Shmeta. Unless you screwed up something with the uh, reset. But um, no more, no less. I think that's the way to go. It's the core monster. They banish stuff. So good to have a second copy. At the same time, you don't want to clunk up your hand too much. Um, not much to say about her. Uh, I guess it's the main test of whether you know how to play Witchcrafters is when to use the effect negation ability. So it involves knowing the meta a lot, knowing what your opponent is capable of special summoning, knowing which effects are important. So you dodge the effects they trick you with first, and then you try to get the one that will kill you. So... That's that, and then the hand, besides the hand discard, knowing how much you have left in your hand to power up your monster so they won't destroy you. So you have your high 2800 defense, or like another monster, you have an attack mode or something, uh, knowing when to, doing some math, and knowing when you have lethal. Nadavera is a very um, polarizing card, I get it. You, you negate all enemy effects. But there's definitely a skill component separating witchcrafted players. Do you know the meta? Do you know what to negate? You got one copy of Edel. I think um, Edel was kind of on the outside looking in last month. But now with the nerfs and all, she is a core monster. One copy, just one copy of Edel. And um, it's helped. it is helped by the nerf because you have three copies of unveiling so that helps you makes it less brickly bricky as a card um edel as you know is the main beater 2000 attack she has that ability where you discard a spell special summon from your hand or you could also tribute her and special summon from the graveyard so the nerf to holiday makes her more important makes her a core card i would say that's what made her a core card and you're trying to save madame Vera all the time with less holiday, you have less of a chance to save her, so Edel can do that. And having 2,000 attack is very convenient with collaboration, since that means lethal. So Schmetta can't get it done all the time, so Edel will have to get it done sometimes. Um, yeah, I definitely did find her more useful here. I don't think I even ran her in the balance, in the balance version I had last month. Yeah, very good card. Especially if you run Machine Angel Ritual, even though that card's on the outside looking in now. She is a light monster to protect there as well. Overall, um, best used as like another holiday or main beater, whatever. Alright, Shmeta. Three copies of Shmeta. Um, main worker of the card, not much to say about it. This is the core card of the deck. You try to open up with her... And this is another skill. You open up with her, you send her away to the graveyard, and then you have to know what to put in the graveyard. Usually I go for the second Witchcrafter spell, so I get extra spells in my hand. 
Sometimes you're going to have to go for Pitori, so you could go cycle through the deck. Sometimes you're going to have to go through Jenny to uh, copy something in the graveyard. So knowing what to toss with Shmeta is another skill test in its own. Sometimes you're going to leave Shmeta on the board and let your opponent try to do something with her, and then you send her away for Madame Ver. So it's kind of putting a Madame Ver on the board during your opponent's turn to counteract an effect, I guess. Um, you can kind of dodge. The main thing about Shmeta is you can dodge uh, traps, so they floodgate her or arm cut her or something, and then you send her away, and then you put Madame Ver on the board. Um... Sometimes you like you would like Madame Vera to be on the board all the time, but sometimes you're going to have to use Schmetta on the board to end your turn. And then she's also 1800 attack, so um, it's important. And she is also the level 7 non-tuner piece, so um, to get into your level 7 synchro plays, you're going to need her. This deck has three copies of, uh, two copies of Jenny. Jenny is the one you just typically always want in the graveyard, so you can copy effects from the graveyard. It's a sneaky play. Um, if you have an extra copy of Collaboration in the graveyard and you want to use it then, that's cool. Unveiling is kind of like a desperation move, but you do it sometimes. And mainly for Holiday, you banish her in Holiday, and then um, you can get your Madame Vera back on the board. There's no attack value on this card, really, so you never really want to attack with Jenny. You just always want her in the graveyard. Deck runs three copies of Pitori. Pitori is a card, um, you know, we saw previous, we just saw one with the Light Sworns. They only had one, so it's like it could also be the least important Witchcraft or Monster. But it's good for cycling. I can't tell you how much the cycling has helped at times. It's a desperation turn, you cycle, and you get what you want. Um, I use her for attacking it on some occasions. 1,000 attack is not, you know, like 300 attack, so it's not nothing, but if you have nothing better, you can attack with her. Um, but yeah, typically with Shmeta and Pitori, you send them to the graveyard, you cycle through the deck, and you don't always want to cycle, because then uh, there could be a turn where you banish both cards in your hand, and you don't really want that. So cycling is kind of a skill test in its own of when you need to cycle. Only two more monsters left in the deck. These are the Witchcrafters. I mean, the Lightsworns. Shoot. Uh, one Lila Lightsworn Sorceress. Uh, Lila is pretty much a core witch, uh, Lightsworn monster. Uh, even before the Lightsworn package became bigger, she gets buffed by Madame Vera. That's a big thing. 1700. She is part of the back row control component and she also mills three cards to the deck uh, to the graveyard at the end of the turn if she lives so um, I did find a bit of an issue with her having 200 defense against a piercer like um, invoked purgatrio so she gets hit by that sometimes that hurts but you know she is a core card in the lightsworn part and Minerva, of course. Minerva, Lightsworn Maiden. Level 3 Tuner. Um, I want you to say, with her, you get into your Synchro Plays. That's part of the deal. And her plus Madame Vera makes the most important Synchro Monster in this deck, which is Star Eater. I also like to go into Fortune Lady Every with Shmeta or Lila to make the level 7s could also go different ways with three and three for six around level six three and five with edel for eight three and one with jenny for four so there's different ways you could go if you're running raiden though you could run uh different combinations like a level 12 level nine different things so minerva is mostly because she's a level three you definitely want raiden for his effect but you don't really care about their effects you care that she's a level three tuner here so those are the monsters. Let's go into the spells, the witchcrafter spells in the deck. And this is super standard fare here. Two collaboration, one holiday, three unveiling. 
Well, let's just get into Holiday. It was nerfed, so you run one copy here and two copies of Charge of the Light Brigade. That's your limit three. So you have to run one Holiday. Two Collaboration. This is because this is a win more card. It's a card that you don't really want three of. Um, you want to make room for the other uh, spells in the deck, so um, two is the best. And three Unveiling. It seems a little much sometimes because you're always throwing away your unveilings. But it's good to have extra copies of these cards for some of the trap cards. For example, um, unveiling is good here because you do have two Madame Vare and one Edel to uh, get rid of in your hand. Unveiling is also good for doing a synchro play if you need it. So having those three copies of unveiling, it's usually the first card you toss um, when you're negating an ability. Um. Yeah. Uh, with one holiday, I feel like I needed more light sworn cards. Yeah, with with just one holiday, I felt like I didn't need to mill more because there has to be more of a milling component to take advantage of holiday in the graveyard, for example. So, um, I didn't feel like I needed to run those extra solar recharges or. More more uh, Lightsworn monsters. Alright, for the mill spells, there's only three of them. There's two Charge of the Light Brigade. Uh, this is the limit three. And of course, there's just two Lightsworn monsters. With more Lightsworn cards, this card becomes more important. And let's say you mill them both. Sometimes you draw nothing when you mill them both. Often this does become a dead card, but no, no extra spell is a dead card in Witchcrafters, I found out. So, you know... Um, Extra ammunition for Madame Vera is always good. Having a different spell in hand will buff your attack by a thousand, so it's always nice to have an extra spell. Um, but yeah, picking Minerva or Lila when you have the chance depends what you want to do. Usually I go for Minerva so I have the chance for that synchro play, but sometimes I have no back row control and I want a Lila instead or something like that. So... Um, that's it for the mill spells. I didn't feel like I needed um, Monster Gate. Monster Gate's kind of on the way out. I haven't really seen that card in a Witchcrafter deck in a while. Grasslock Screener is the main card. In terms of anti-back row, this is where all the deck builders get to have a little bit of fun because there's no right or wrong way of doing it. You kind of use what you have to do it. Uh, one Galaxy Cyclone, just because uh, I only have one. This is where the uh, free-to-play consideration comes into play. People usually run like three or two or three of these. Um, and it is kind of the only way to deal with a field spell or a continuous. Necro Valley was one of the biggest bugaboos against this deck. I guess Lila does counter Necro Valley as well, but she, she gets... Uh, she get flipped over sometimes and she won't she won't get to use her ability. So the Oxy Cyclone in the graveyard works against Necro Valley. Also, its main ability is to hit a set spell or trap, but that is a slow speed spell, so they can counteract it. Two copies of Night Beam. Night Beam is pretty much the difference maker in this evolution of Witchcrafters. Negative one was the first one who ran three copies of Night Beam, and three Galaxy Cyclones. So you're guaranteed a destruction on that set spell or trap. They can't activate it, so um, it's good for that regard. Um, you're always guaranteed a destruction of a set spell or trap. It's a one-for-one, one, and you run an extra copy here. I think I ran three at some point, but felt like I needed to diversify. I did run three, but then I went to 2-2 two, two split with the other card, Fire Formation Gyaku. This is very similar to Night Beam. Your count, your, they don't get to respond to it. That's the main deal with Fire Formation Gyaku. And with this one, it's a little different because it could get removed by Cosmic Cyclone and then they get to use that set back row. This has happened to me where I lost when I had them pinned down with this card and then they destroyed it. So then they got to use their uh, Magician's Navigation or whatever to beat me. But this is useful for clogging up their back row. So you kind of clog yours for theirs. 
but you don't really care as a witchcrafter player that you clog your back row because you're not running many trap cards. So having two of each is like I have four, but at the same time, I'm not doing a three-one split because it's better to have more variety of spells in the in the deck. So a two-two split I felt was better than a three-one. Now the last one is probably the spiciest one here, Nobleman of Extermination. And this one's good and bad. It's high risk. No, it's not high risk at all. It's it's high reward. And if you hit a trap card and they can't activate it, you're going to remove all three of them. So there is a game where I played against a uh, Dark Magician player. All three copies of Magician Navigation were banished. So they lost. I scooped the, the game right there. There are also... Let's say it doesn't work. You hit like a spell card. You remove it from play. You could also look through your opponent's deck. That's the main appeal of this card in a tournament setting where you can look at your opponent's whole deck. And both both players look through each deck, but it's kind of useful for scanning through the whole deck. Um, yeah. It's cool for that. It's co- I just use it for scooping against like a really good trap card sometimes, so that's really nice. But it is a slow speed spell, so you can respond to it and pretty much make it useless. And in terms of traps, just the standard fair one patroness and one masterpiece. Um, I like using patroness right away when I have it to thin out the deck, power up Madame Vare with more spells in hand. And the graveyard effect is useful because... Um, it lets you use Witchcrafter Holiday multiple times. It's been banished by Jenny. You get to bring it back from the banished zone back to the graveyard. So, um, no, back to your hand, I mean, sorry. Back to your hand. So, you get to recycle Holiday for another Jenny, maybe. Things like that. Masterpiece is... It made me want to do that 2-2 split, for example. So, you have it in your graveyard. You get to draw the other one back. So, Night Beam or... Well, Fire Formation Yaku is not going to be in the graveyard, but Night Beam, you get to get your other one back. Charge of the Light Brigade, you get the other one back, for example. So Things like that. Um, it's good to run multiple copies. And then when it's in the graveyard, you get that Desperation Chump block sometimes. That did save me a few times. You banish it with the other spell, and you get a monster back. Usually I use this to set up a Jenny play, because Jenny's only one star, so you banish... Like a Night Beam or a Charge of the Light Brigade or a Grass. You banish that useless card. And then you get a Jenny on the board. And then you could send her away for Madame Vera, for example. So, um, And then also the Chump blocking. Um, I guess Pitori is the best one for it. Because she's uh, 1500 defense. Which is not nothing. But usually you do it with Jenny just because she costs 1. Now, the extra deck is super standard as well. Most important one, the one I use probably like 80% of the time is Star Eater, level 11, so it's 3 plus 8. You do it with Madame Vare, and then you bring her back with Holiday. That's usually the best play. Um, I use Star Eater almost all of the time. Can't be negated. Hits over 3,000 attackers. Ignores effects like Sphere Kribo. That's usually the main appeal of Star Eater is ignores Sphere Kribo. Fortunately, Lady Every was probably the number two. Um, not much to say about Fortunately, Every. She's one of the best uh, synchro monsters in the game when you need that banish uh, ability. The other p- pieces I I don't think I even used, I would say. Arcanite Magician, I never used. Black Rose Dragon, you would expect to use it, but I never used it. Michael, I don't think I ever used. And Brionic. Brionic, I may have used a few times to try to scoop a game easy. Against like a deck where they were playing like Exodia or something, where they had no counter to what I was doing, so uh, Brionic was useful in that regard. So overall, this deck, um, you know, wasn't easy getting to King of Games this month, but I did get it, and yeah, this was my deck. I guess I'll still next month is a. Um, 
AC Cup month, so this is the most competitive deck I have, and um, probably what I will play with for the KC Cup, but I'll just go with this for now and see how it goes, and it might have, it probably will evolve um, from what this deck is. Alright, so that is it. Upcoming news, early September, Evolve Tasselberry, new UR Evo Diversity, and SR Evil Tile Lagosuko. Early September, Carly Carmine is retired to the gates for her. That's kind of sad because the investigation events were pretty cool in my opinion. Um, I hope something like the investigation event gets replicated in the new world. September 8-20, to 20, new season of the KC Cup. So I guess the, the season wrapped up already because we just had the KCGT this morning. So the new season begins. Another grind for this. This is kind of a stupid one because it's kind of like the last last old meta KC Cup and then XZs is going to come. Mid-September, Tour Guide's Mission Bingo with the SR Carbonetin. We only have one copy of that, so we're getting more copies of Carbonetin. That's good. Mid-September, Duelist Chronicles 5D's Fight for the Fortune Cup. New SR Psychic Snail and a new Akiza skill. That's exciting. I like using Akiza for what grows in the graveyard. Hopefully this other one is I hope it's not some stupid like plant plant skill because no one really uses her plant cards. Mid-September dual quest. And finally, late September, massive update incoming issue with card text, with certain card text. It's kind of sad that they're announcing XZs with an issue with certain card text. I don't know if it's intentional. Konami often messes up with their words. So that is very likely as well that they messed up but it's also the announcement for xz so this is it this is the lame duck period uh we got a whole month before xz's day is the 29th so 929 is the day that we are expecting xz's so you know if you're taking a break from the game this is a good good time to take a break for xz's so or if you want to make gems before that um now's the time to make some gems so one, two, three, four. We got like four, four whole weeks uh, before, more than four weeks before the um, before the new world comes. So yeah, exciting times. I'm glad to finally wrap up synchros. I should have had the synchro uh, awards show a little bit later, but yeah, I never really knew when uh, XZ was going to come, but um. Next week probably will be a longer episode because uh, we're going to talk about the decks that won the tournament in KCGT from Zaid King, KW Rowe, and some of the other guys. There should be a new mini box coming out. I already looked at the cards. It's big because it has Karma Cut, so it's a Karma Cut and a lot of garbage. So that's what the uh, box, the mini boxes. So we'll talk all about that next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Subscribe anywhere. You get your podcast, search the dual assessment, you'll find this podcast. Um, all these notes are on the dualassessment.wordpress.com. Find me on Twitter, dual underscore assessment. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll see you next time.